Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. Passers wide open. Gets the puck. Tours! That's the only reason I do these podcasts, is so I can hear all those amazing things about myself. So thanks for having me, and now I'm signing off. I am uh, honored, thrilled. This is uh, one of the greatest achievements of my life. I literally, I, I, I showered and I combed my hair for you. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. It's a PP1 podcast. We're going to do a post-game uh, podcast, I guess you could say it. Brady and Ted are both here with me. This is Ryan. Uh, let's go around the horn quickly. Ted, would you? what's what's up? How are you doing? Man, it was. Uh, I'm doing good. It was It was tough. I watched game one uh, in, in like a fly, t- uh, like a fly bug tent while I was camping, listening to the radio in the pitch black. So uh, at home... With a with a beer in hand, watching a Canucks win was a definite improvement. So this one was really fun to watch, and it was fun to get on Twitter and sort of participate in the combos a little bit. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Brady, how did you watch Game One, and how jacked are you for after the win from Game Two? Oh man, Game One, I watched uh, sitting at home on my couch all day long, and uh, you know lost that one, which was a bit of a struggle. But uh, you know we bounced back tonight. A lot of energy, a lot of energy in the house. I had a couple friends over and. Uh, yeah, 4-3 victory. They hung on there, and, uh, you know, it's just good to see the Canucks back in some playoff hockey. It really is. Oh, I definitely yeah, agree. Sure. I agree. Um, and, Ryan, you 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 didn't watch the game in a, in a completely normal way while you were up in PG either, were you? This feels like bragging, but, uh, yeah, we were up at the lake up there, and great time. Thankfully, the Canucks uh, decided to play at 7.30 and not earlier. Otherwise, that really would have screwed up my day. But, yeah, I watched it on uh, what felt like 5G Wi-Fi every other time I've been there, but apparently streaming a three-hour hockey game uh, isn't the greatest when you're on a wireless internet, not a network. So um, 75% of the game, it was fine. The other 25%, uh, I was waiting to see what was going to happen both on the ice and on the computer because it was spotty. But uh, game two, I was on my own couch with my big TV and my (laughs) high def and watching those boys win. Um, how uh how were the bugs up in pga that's the, the one of the first times i've heard somebody bragging about being in prince george by the way but, you'll, you'll hear it from me every um, time yeah you had some good picks up there it looks like you had a decent spot in the lake too oh it's like i said everyone hears prince george but this place like you're on the lake you're you know 
you're out with your one with wilderness we kayaked and we boated and there, it was like 26 degrees outside it was wicked and there was a Canucks nice. game. and then after they lost i'm like hey screw this grabbed a beer went to the campfire had a had a what was it uh one of those cheddar smokies at the fire ended the night good anyway so but yes the mosquitoes uh they weren't as bad in july they're the worst they are the worst um, I fared okay. Got a couple on my ear and stuff, which sucks. Christine, my wife, uh, she didn't fare so well. <laughs> so I came almost unscathed, and uh, yeah, she, apparently they knew she was going to be there. So it wasn't so much fun out, for her. Out one with nature. Exactly. It's pretty neat. It was all yeah. good. So, but uh, let's you talk tell about it's a fir tree because the way it is. Oh, jeez. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. People don't forget. So People don't forget. People don't forget. So uh Brady you you've got the the biggest smile and uh let's let's start with you. What was your give me your 60 second recap of the Canucks game? Oh man, 60 seconds. I don't know. That's that's pretty quick. Um well, coming into the game, I uh I figured the Canucks had to fire on all cylinders and they they totally did. Um and I'm happy to see a couple line changes. They weren't exactly the ones I would have made personally, but uh, they were very effective. I mean, Louis Erickson led all forwards uh, in five on five ice time. He actually put up more than 20 minutes tonight. Wow. Um, but yeah, I just loved the energy from uh, the top six. Like uh, putting the lotto line back together was exactly what they needed. Um, it would have nice to seen all three of them score. Uh, PD couldn't, but uh you know, Brock, uh, Brock Besser scored, JT Miller scored, Horvat had a nice goal. It was it was an all-around good game by our, our core players. Ted, what were your two cents on this one? Uh, well, there was a lot. I mean, I think a lot happened in this game. There's a bunch of for, for narratives for the next couple of days for, for the Twitter world. But if we had to just say it in like a, a nutshell, I mean, Furland, we're going to talk about Furland at some point. Penalties, quick start from Pedersen, um, Vertanen, and Louis draw in. Uh, Godet and Toffoli out, so Toffoli in a walking boot was was spotted. Um, I mean, Brock scored just like Brady said. Miller scored um, a couple of big block shots, like some really gritty veteran plays that were happening in there. Um, I was really happy with the Vertanen return from everything that he was doing, both from an effort standpoint, defensively and offensively. Um, some classic Louis stuff, including a stick break and all those minutes logged, like oh. Brady said. Um, but not just that, there's stuff that happened outside of hockey. Obviously the Dumba fist bump or fist up was really cool to watch. And, um, it was neat to see the power play get going. Uh, Marky's first win, uh, some first points by Hughes. So lots for us to talk about in this one and including, uh, you know, icing on the top, which turned out to be a big win and what looked like possibly a shaky finish, even though that's not really what happened. Yeah, absolutely. I think my two cents on this whole game was it, it really felt like they were going to not run away with this one, but it really felt like. They had kind of figured out that they needed to be better. It was definitely uh, a game that they had to answer, and I think they did. But in typical Canucks fashion, as we all know, is it's not over until that final buzzer goes, and it, it almost, it almost went to overtime, and that would have. <laughs> we may not be. We we may you not be what? sitting here right now, and I'm you serious. Like though, it like... almost happened. As much as we wouldn't want to see overtime in that particular game, like I'm a little disappointed that it's only going to be a five-game series because this is feisty and it's sure fun to watch. I mean, both teams just want it so bad. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I haven't had playoff hockey in like five years as a Canucks fan, but I'm just loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I don't want to see the Wild for more than five games. 
<laughs> yeah, game one, I felt like everybody was in their rocking chairs and nobody could stay awake. I mean, I was having a hard time listening to it, let alone trying to interpret what was going on. But this game was in danger of being bogged down, I feel like, with the amount of penalties that were going on. I mean, we scored on that opening shot by, by Pearson, and it was a beauty shot. It was. Possibly Absolutely. a bit of a theme there going high glove side on Stalock because uh, Miller scored, you know, almost an identical spot a little earlier, a little later in the game too. So, but yeah, the game was in danger of being bogged down by, by calls, you know, some good ones and some, some bad ones, I thought. Um, but from a flow standpoint, it was no Brock Besser flow. It was, it was, it was bogged down a little bit, a little bit tough to watch. But once, once the game got moving, I feel like, uh, the Vancouver Canucks began to find their game a little bit, uh, especially with all those power play opportunities um, that it seemed like the Wild had in game one. Um, and then I feel like because of all those power play opportunities, it gave us a little bit of time to, uh, rather gave them a little bit of time to work out some of those kinks that they seem to be having problems with, including getting scored on, um, you know, shorthanded too, right? So, but towards the end of the game, tons of control there, tons of puck possession. You know, Petey drew a penalty, uh, and that power play looked dangerous, even though it may not have been scoring, uh, you know, on every opportunity. It was starting to look like, hey, maybe this isn't the team that you want to take penalties against. That power play, I, I Ted, I tagged you in that one tweet tonight during the game. Like, it looked so complacent. It looked exactly like we had been seeing for that second half of the season. And it, it drove me crazy. I was just practically yelling at the screen, thinking like, you guys, something is about to happen. You're going to screw this. And then they had that, that shorty. But then they rebounded, and they continued to get chances, which is unlike the Canucks to get that many power plays in a game that I'm surprised they called as many penalties as they did, considering it felt like the series was probably just going to go, you know, whistles get, you know, put away. And they, they seemed to call a lot of stuff. Some of the... You know, kind of the chintzy stuff. I didn't really like. There's, there's just, there's some stuff that's in there. The one thing I really don't like is how these sticks break so easily. Like, it's ridiculous. Some of these penalties are like, you know what? They've got sticks that are gonna blow up. You, you, you can't, you can't call a penalty on all of them, Brady. Okay, but that stick breaking for Louis Erickson. Come on, that was like <laughs> the most Louis Erickson thing that could possibly happen. I mean, I tweeted that out as soon as it happened. I mean, it's just blowing up, like. Someone <laughs> memes yeah. already. Man. I was gonna like, say someone has oh to. Oh my god! <laughs> but like, I mean, Louis Erickson, man, like he he had a he had a good game. Like, I was happy he was playing, and I I'm excited to see him in Game Three, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Ryan and I talked. Uh, I think just prior to Game One, uh, you weren't there for that one, Brady. But we talked about possible lineup sets and and how we get. Uh, a guy like Vertanen back in the lineup and how a guy like Louis Erickson makes his way back into the lineup. And I think I called, you know, the possibility of Sutter coming out and, and um, that, that Godette was a guy who might move away from this lineup in favor of a player like Erickson um, or Vertanen. So, uh, you know, I was, I was, I'll, I was right. I'll toot my own horn a little bit about seeing about calling the Godette out and Vertanen in, but I did not see Louis Erickson coming in in favor of an injured Tyler Toffoli. So it hurts a little bit to see, um, you know, our, our big playoff run trade deadline acquisition, um, you know, top six forward not play as part of this game. And so, you know, that if he's not playing in this game, then he's hurt that there's some actual issues going on there because, um, you know, a hobbled Tyler Toffoli is still better than some of the other options that are going to get into this lineup in favor of him. Um, so it sort of sucks to see him see him miss this game, but I would be curious to know what the time frame is for his injury and 
unfortunately for playoff diagnosis, we don't always get that information. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about how the playoffs work. But I think at the end of the day, it, it's so typical of the Canucks. Whenever they need a guy to get in the lineup, or in this case, two, um, you know, there's always this, I'm not going to say magical, but there always seems to be this random injury that just allows the players we need to see come back in and this this was no different I, I think we all wanted to see Jake back in and I can't believe we were all saying too that Louie should probably be back in more so because this was going to be a special team series tonight was a mm-hmm. prime example that it's going to be a special team series so I can't see uh, Louie leaving the lineup unless you know he just plays an absolutely atrocious game and I thought Jake had a really good game too he wasn't exactly one of the greatest players but he definitely had flashes of brilliance he he hustled <laughs> on some of those back checks and you know he played some great defense Brady yeah, I mean you were just talking about how it was kind of similar to earlier this year and I mean it was pretty much exactly the same sorry guys you guys hearing that yep you're good and uh it was pretty much the same at the beginning of the year I mean pretty much identical like Furlan came along and got hurt and then Jake jumped in it was pretty much the same with Goddard if I'm not mistaken he had to earn that uh, center spot so yep. pretty much identical like you're saying it's weird that Godet. I mean, I know he didn't have a phenomenal game in game one, but it just it does feel like uh, one of those random calls to see him actually sit when he really hasn't sat like all season. Yeah, wasn't it actually Ted that I think Ted tweeted out earlier today about uh, how he thought Godet maybe not be a third line centerman and he's not ready for that in the playoffs. Do you have? Can you elaborate on that, Ted? Yeah, and I think we've talked, you know, a fair share about this during the regular season. We were all kind of enamored with with Godet's offensive ability, right, and 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 how that might have been inflated somewhat by his his shooting percentage. But he's been a really decent offensive find for the Canucks, and especially the position he was drafted at. But I think he still struggles from the standpoint of you know, something as simple as winning faceoff and getting puck possession, and you have to be able to to throw your third line out there with their heads above water in the defensive zone to win a draw and get possession and break it up ice to, to give your, your two offensive lines an opportunity in the offensive zone. Right. So to me, I think just Goddard is a little bit miscast in that role. He's not that guy. He's, he's, he's probably a guy who can can play with players in your top six, probably, probably even on the wing. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, but, but he's not the guy who you're going to ask to go out there and lock down Kevin Fiala's line. Um, and play against a Zach Parise because that's just not his game, right? His game, his game isn't predicated on two-way play, and that may come at some point. And I think uh, you know one of our uh, one of our listeners tweeted out the fact that you know he probably should have spent another full season in Utica learning the defensive side of the game, but his offense was good enough for him to be up here. So he's going to learn that his the defensive side of the game, I think, and, and the consistency that it takes to be a third line center or higher. Um, but it probably just isn't right now, right? This might be it is not the best best spot for him to be coming out as a third line center. Um, All that being said, yeah, um, you know, I, I like I like Adam Gaudet, and I don't think his time in the series is done yet. But uh, from the standpoint of having Jake Vertanen in in place of and and shifting over, you know, another natural center in either Sutter or or Beagle into another center spot probably makes more sense from a defensive point of view for. For what this connect team needs right now so uh just checking the post game here uh travis green said that both uh tofoli and godet were unfit to play uh, we've all heard so far that go. that uh, tofoli was in a walking boot so his was legit who knows what uh, godet uh would have been i mean maybe 
I mean, who knew? Maybe it's a legit injury. Mm-hmm. I, I would have to go back and see if there's any highlights that would you know suggest that. But I can't imagine they would just sit him and just say unfit to play. Like that that doesn't seem like that would be part of their 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 line, Ted. Yeah, and I think Louis DeBrusque actually said this during the broadcast. Like, hey, what what a bonus that is to have a 23-goal scorer in Tyler Toffoli exit your lineup and to be able to insert an 18-goal scorer in, in Jake Vertanen. So mm-hmm. um, there's some options on this squad, and, and this squad hasn't had options like that in a long time. So uh, the fact that we're talking about, you know, we were talking about the fact that Jake Vertanen is a healthy scratch on this roster, I mean, you would think that scoring 18 goals and being a pretty trusted player throughout the, the year had, would be give you some sort of a leg up or some sort of a leeway, but that's not the way Green plays him. He seems to know how to handle him. He came back with a fire under his ass in this game, and I, you know, maybe you guys would disagree, but hard and heavy on the back check, not afraid to shoot the puck. It looks like he was controlling the play well, and when he was just about to be goaded into a penalty, he turned around and skated the other direction. So a little bit of growth there, and I've always said that Jake is the type of player who I think can can thrive in a playoff environment. And so we'll see what happens the rest of the way down the stretch because it sounds like he's going to get some more playing time. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94 and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? It's it's uh it's nice to see Vertanen in the lineup. I mean, it's not exactly the way we wanted him to get in, um, but it's it's we're, we know he's going to be in the lineup down down the road now, you know, to Foley out, and uh, now Furlan probably, and maybe even Roussel. So uh, he's going to get the playing time one way or another. So let's talk about good to Furlan. see it. I hope he gets more than eight minutes next game. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about Michael Furlan. So he, I think he finished the first period. He had. I think a shift with about three minutes left in the first period and, or two minutes, something like that. But as far as I know, he didn't play the rest of the game. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, yeah. I was just saying he played just over two minutes. I think yeah. he played a couple shifts. Um, I think he could just kind of quietly snuck off, uh, you know, into the dressing room. So that's not good news. Um, no. Especially after he came out like so hot in game one, like uh, it was so great to see. I mean, at first I was a little hesitant when he dropped the gloves, but he looked great and, he played the rest of the game really good, and we needed that energy. So, real tough loss. Uh, I'm just sitting here waiting to see the post game. Hopefully, hopefully it's not concussion related. But I, all I, I just don't want to hear is like unfit to play. Like I kind of, if it's not concussion, it'd be nice to say have some clarification on that. Yeah, I. That that's a tough one. I think if if it is concussion related, I think they have to be very open about what happens because I mean it's it's such a touchy subject, especially with him. And to see him finally come back and all signs point that he's ready to go, gets through that full training camp, gets through the exhibition game, look, you know, pretty decent, um, gets through obviously as a tilt. Um, things were really going Michael Furlan's way. And I think we were all excited to see. I mean, he didn't have an, a great game in game one, but I think just like everything, the whole team needed to step up. It was that was evident. And Mm -hmm. it was going to look like that he was hopefully going to get his chance to get some retribution for his lack of play in game one. And then it just kind of fizzled out and everybody was thinking the same thing. So, you know, hopefully he is okay. And 
like we've said so many times, it's not even about hockey at that point. You, you know, hope the guy that, you know, he's able to continue. And I, I would, I would hate to see that, uh, you know, something bad happens that he, that he's got to call it quits on this. So, um, we'll, we'll see, I guess we'll, we'll know hopefully in the next day or so. Yeah. I just, I, I, uh, I'm not a pro athlete. That's obvious to everyone, but I've had, I've you had look a like bad one. concussion before and 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 i know what it does to the inside of your head and and i just for the life of me can't understand how how you could recover so quickly from something that that i went through and it wasn't even that bad probably on the scale of things right and for for him to 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 play and then come back and then have a tilt and then go out again and then to play and then come back and then get hit and then go out again and now now we're into it again right and i mean uh, th- to me, every time that happens, it's not the same concussion. It's it's continued trauma on the trauma on the head. Yeah. And 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 I don't, I just don't see a good scenario that plays out in all of those injuries. So you're right, Brady. If this comes back again and it's a concussion, Ryan, you too. Uh, man, I mean, I think we've said this many times before, or at least I have, that my initial inclination would have been to just shut it down for the year mm-hmm. and see how you feel next year. So all of this coming back to early thing, whether you feel good or not, you're just never good until you, you get that crack. Right. Well, um, so we're hoping obviously, yeah, that, that, that it's not concussion related. Maybe he's just got a stinger or something like that. That'd be nice. Um, but I would hate to hear that news if that's what's going on. Well, that's just the crazy thing about it too. Right. Ted is the fact that you say like, wait till next season to play, but like he, he had, we, everybody had five months off plus the time before that to get ready. I mean, that's a long time. Like, I it mean, doesn't matter though. It it really doesn't. It takes a long time for your body to recover from trauma like that. And I'm not yeah. trying to, you, but but it it's different than healing an injury like a like a a muscle injury or a bone injury, right? We know exactly how long that takes to recover. But but your head is just such a. There's just so much going on there that that we don't know. We still don't know the the amount of time needed for an individual person to recover, right? So. Uh, yeah, five months is a long time, and I'm sure he felt great during that, during parts of that five months that he probably could come back. But he's just, yeah, it's like a boxer, right? A boxer mm-hmm. who has a just the most solid chin ever, and can't be knocked out. Once they start to get knocked out, or they start to get a weaker chin, and it's the same for UFC fighters. Those guys that could take tremendous amounts of shots earlier in their 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 fighting careers, they're just more prone to the big knockout when they get tagged on the chin. And I would feel like concussions are the same way. And again. The only experience I can speak from is that I've had concussions and I don't know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but um, just the way that it feels, I think more time is always better when it comes to healing an injury like this. Um, well, it's just crazy to think that like at the same time, if we're talking about running into next season, I mean, that's, that's actually less time away than the time he just had off. So, I mean, yeah. what is enough time for Michael Furland, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, well, you know, it's an open-ended question. I think with any concussion, it really is. whether it's Sidney Crosby, Michael Furland, or whoever. But uh, there's no easy way to transition. Let's chat about. We've got about ten minutes or so less. Um, let's talk about PD quickly, and maybe even Brock as well, and Markstrom kind of end out our little post game here. Uh, let's start with PD. Absolutely, he had a great game. He stood up, mm-hmm. stood up for himself. He was a little chippy as well. I think uh, playoff Pedersen. I like playoff Pedersen. <laughs> Yeah, he's playing a little harder than I was expecting him to. Like I thought he was gonna get uh he's definitely getting tossed around, but he's he's not complaining. He's uh you know, he's working really hard, he's getting right back up and he's he's still finding ways to be effective. So I mean we didn't get to see him score, but uh 
when that he tipped that little uh, in front of the net right to Besser, that was totally intentional. It was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, very skilled player, and he's going to be just fine. Ted. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out, Brady. That little tip definitely was to Besser, and you could tell. And anybody who's not watching that game that that isn't a Canucks fan, I'm sure, would say that that was a complete accident. But any of us that get to see PD play on the regular know that that shit happens all the time, right? So, yeah, I I I, I like. I like playoff PD too. Like he's kind of a dickhead, you know, he runs around a little bit. He doesn't complain. I don't even think I saw his, his gums flap even a little bit. I didn't even see that, that famous PD smirk, but I did see him take a high stick in the face and then shove Hartman down. I did see him throw his weight around at, at Zach Parise on a penalty kill. Man, he um, dumped Hartman. Just yeah. dumped him. He dumped him. He was good. Right. I mean, he's, he's not taking any shit. He's not going after guys, but he's not, well, he's going after guys a little bit in the corner there, but he's he's standing up for himself. That was something that I think the Twins got criticized for, you know, huge amounts during the course of their careers, but that they wouldn't stand up for themselves, even though we all knew they were tough players. But Petey will go back at you a little bit. So, yeah, he looked he looked good out there. He looked he looked like the most dangerous connect, and I liked how they were finally finding him on the, the power play for those one tees as well. After he dumped Hartman and he's on the bench, and they kept panning the camera back, and he's. <laughs> He just had like it wasn't the death stare this time. It was just like he figured like I I didn't do anything, and he just kept staring away like guys I, I didn't do anything, and he yeah, just yeah. he made it look like guilty not guilty, and I'm just thinking like man, he has like a carelessness to him that I love. Like usually he's pretty compassionate if there's some type of an injury and he knows that something bad happened, but in this case like no screw that guy. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see, too, like, he got pushed around a little too much, and I don't know if you heard, but I think the Canucks complained to um, to the NHL about a couple non-calls in the first game, but Burke said, uh, you know, he'd be getting some calls made, and fair enough, like, pretty much right out of the gate, uh, you know, Pedersen gets that penalty called. So it's, it's nice to see the refs kind of take notice because he's not bitching out there, and he's playing super hard, but it's also good to see that he fights back. And I know, like, if Marchand comes along and tries to punch him in the face four or five times, he's not going to take that. He's going to high stick no. him. Um, I, I will say, I know we don't have a ton of time left here, but it's very apparent to me that Kevin Fiala is still the most dangerous player in this game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, two games in a row, PD included. Uh, so they're going to have to find an answer for him down the road. If that's, you know, Myers continuing to go after him and finding ways to not take penalties to be physical with him. Uh, if that's Edler staying on him, I don't know what the the plan is for that. Um, but but an answer for Kevin Fiala uh, needs to be found and, and in pretty short order because it's tough to outscore problems like that. Myers has already taken so many penalties, we might as well take an absolute donkey of a penalty to take Fiala out of the series. <laughs> so one quick thing left for me, and I'll let you guys kind of roll for a bit. Brock Besser's back. I love playoff Brock Besser. That dangle around Stalock that he should have scored and just at the very end was a Dumba that stole that away. Like he's he's making some embarrassing plays, and I think now that he's got that first one, it's going to be dirty, dirty, dirty for Brock Besser. I can't wait. You could see it when he scored too, just the weight off his shoulders. He was so pumped, and uh, I, I'm right there with you, Matt. I think you know that was his first goal since like what January? Or I yelled. Something? I yelled. Like 15 games, like 15, 16 games. Mm-hmm. So big monkey off the back and he's he's gonna come back just as hard next game man huge goal huge goal and he's gonna get i know more. we got a couple i know we got a couple minutes but would you guys want to run a quick dudes and guys for that game or brock Baster, there's yes. my dude sounds good to me tyler myers there's my guy 
He was a definite. Yeah, <laughs> Myers was a definite guy. Like, oh my god! Even share. I was upset with Tyler. Myers. You can share on this one. Ted, yeah, go if, for I, it. if I'm gonna pick it, if I'm gonna pick a dude for me, it's Marky. Um, there was some severe struggles. That game could have got a little out of hand with a, with a couple of early power plays right off the jump. Uh, to to see him battle and and fight through. Uh, and then look shaky on the saves, but make some saves, right? And and make some important saves too. So, um, yeah, there was uh, you know a couple of late goals, but we got ourselves into a position where we weren't lying specifically on Markstrom. Um, so any of these kind of games are good games for him to continue to find that form that that he had, you know, basically mid-season form and and, and season prior to get back to that sort of upper echelon status. So watching him fight through. This game was much needed uh, to see some dangerous shooters and, and to make some big saves. So I just want to see that momentum keep rolling. Congratulations on your first win, Markstrom. Uh, and we'll kind of just go from there. If I'm going to pick a GOAT, it's not in a bad way, but the GOAT in this one for me has to be Michael Ferlin. Uh, and it's not because you know he, was, he played like crap or anything like that, but he wasn't really a part of this game again. And that's becoming a common theme. We've talked a lot about that. So you know, best wishes to Ferls, but uh, you know, get healthy, buddy. Brady, you got a minute. Yeah, a uh, quick guy was obviously Myers and my dude, uh, Louis Erickson. Uh, 20 minutes plus one. He, he played well, and uh, he's got a meme for the that'll last the ages now. So It's a beauty. Uh, folks, this is the, I don't know, we started in game two, but this is a post-game PP1 podcast. We'll be back tomorrow night as well with a brand new episode, Cat Silverman from The Athletic. This has been fun, guys. Series tied up. Let's give her. Hell yes. Go Canucks. Go. Peace out. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.